This is it. I think we're up. We're up, we're up, we're up, we're up. Hello, one and all. Welcome to Fish and Friday New Year's Day special and a very happy New Year to one and all out there. Happy New Year! Yes, here we are. Drinking <laughs> alcohol in charge of a small camera. <laughs> well, I don't know if your one was as weird as our one. It was uh, a nice night. Yeah. It reminded me of uh, that Charlton Heston movie. Was it the Amiga Man or something? Was the guy that was <laughs> the last house left on the planet. You know, we didn't see any of the neighbours. First time ever that we didn't see anybody around. It was like, you know, it's just been us here in the house, as probably, well, as we know you are as well. So, but, um, thank God for the Sunday Times wine delivery. That's all I can say. Well done, the Sunday Times. <laughs> um, so we're in. Here we go. Let's get into this stuff. Santa Little, Maidenhead, Laura Bittman Ward, Happy New Year. Simon Bonsfield, thank you. McJeans. Uh, what's that? Nita Schleckler, Dean Davis, Sharon Stokes from Walthamstow, Matthew Greenup, Keith Johnson, Patrick Witters, hello man, from Luxembourg, Chris Harris, you made it, Beckle Simmons, Dave Hardy, Happy New Year, Simon Farquhar, Happy New Year, I hope you're doing okay, Simon, because I know you're on your own a lot down there. Uh, Joanna Simmons, Todd Vinicic from Ohio, do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? Nah. <laughs> That's just for Americans, right. and um, I want you to know, right? I've, um, this I'm actually uh, I'll show you here now, right? Okay. I decided to wear a special stage costume for you tonight. So there you are. I put the kilt on because it was New Year. I just want to feel a little bit better. So, I first time this is the first time I've worn the kilt. I think since, since Simone and I got married in 2017, right? So I thought I'd put it on special for you today. So there you are, the kilt on the Fish on Friday visit. Yeah, beauty. <coughs> <laughs> the question, the obvious question, I will not be answering. Right, so there you go. Right. Andrew McDonald. Mick Bryant from Worcester, Joyce Vandenberg, Michael Hendricks, where's the beard? I shaved. This morning when I got up, I thought I'm going to start the year with a relatively scrub-free face. I was I actually contemplated doing a complete shave, but I, I'm, I thought I'd be like, I'd be ended up doing the programme and just have loads of little tissue paper all around the, bit, the bloody bits of my head. You know? uh, Cremona, George Bushka, hi mate, Nico Slobber, hello, Simon Mostyn. Uh I want to thank, by the way, uh, you phoned today, Jean-Pierre, but I missed your call. I got your message. Jean-Pierre Lix, thank you very much for the wonderful bottle of Chablis you sent because we actually entered the year with that Chablis. So merci beaucoup. And I wish you a joyous new year, Jean-Pierre, because I know you've been having a real shite time. So, slange Marn Whiffen. Alan, Alan Cohen, I told Big... Oh, no, I missed that one. You told Big G... Oliver Datner from Germany, which is from Tr Trumbull. John Butchko, Tr Trumbull, Connecticut. America, God. 
it's like a horror story just every time you put it on the news but it's just not go there it's, it's, it's just it's just really scary just we've seen the, the the contamination just spread it's just been absolutely crap and it's um it's uh we noticed these slothian figures today as well they're rubbish and um so anyway let's move on stories from new year <coughs> one of the new year things is to give up vaping and smoking and everything and someone and i have decided that um we're going to do what we did last year and basically take alcohol out of life for five five months or so and get our bodies back in shape because it's winter and i'm a bear and I've, i mean yesterday we had a goose and it's, it's like the turkey lasted four days mm -hmm. four days and then it was soup and um and then I, I bought a goose before 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 christmas that we'd frozen so uh we had that yes it was brilliant somewhere absolutely perfect and tonight's an indian curry takeaway that my stepson liam's absolutely gagging over because he's starving but i said we don't eat till after fish and friday but the kilt. Um, one new year. Oh, I forgot to put it in. Where's my thing? This is a, a ski and do, right? It's not a real ski and do, right? This, this isn't Scottish. This is actually an Argentinian boot knife I was given by somebody in Buenos Aires many, many moons ago. And uh, it's a beautiful little blade. And it's absolutely lethal, right? It's a serious, serious knife. And... Uh, Industria Tan Oil, Argentina. And um, what you do with this, it's a skiing do, and you traditionally wear it in your, in your sock. That's what you wear it. And it's just a wee dagger. And you're actually allowed to, you're allowed to walk about with it, but most of them are plastic ones. Um, and most of them are plastic for obvious reasons. <laughs> But I'd, I've always worn this one, and it's, I've, I've had it, oh God, it's years and years. It must be nearly 20 years. And um, it was a case that <clears throat> uh, it's actually helped me a couple of times. And one of the stories I want to tell you was about um, when I was in Vietnam. And um, it was a bizarre New Year. Right? I decided... As I said in our previous Fishing Friday, I'd just go down there on my own just to kind of find myself again. And really, this is really weird. You should, have you got the book? Yes. Yeah, this is amazing. This is totally Fellini. I told you uh, before about when Simone and I met and she came along to the gig at the Toll House in Karlsruhe. And she came along with a very young Liam and a very, a very small young Liam and a very large Irish wolfhound. And she handed this in. And I found this the other day, and I just thought, this is absolutely bizarre. Well, she brought us some cookies and stuff like that, but she knew that I was going to Vietnam. And what she did was she bought me The Lonely Planet. It's upside down, back to front, blah, blah, blah. But it's the Vietnam Lonely Planet guide. And inside it, she put a little inscription. And, uh, And she put that you will never lose your, that you'll never lose your way, Simona, November, two thousand and seven, right? And she gave me this book, and I took this away to Vietnam with me, and uh, and I just thought it was so Fellini because it's what I want to talk about. This was, um, but yeah, she found, found that it was, I had it, I'd kept it all the all the years, and um, and uh, anyway, so Vietnam, 
I'd gone there on my own, I'd done Christmas down there, I'd actually arrived on Christmas Day, and then the next day was kind of trying to just find, just trying to find myself. And um, and the first, the first big thing was actually negotiating the traffic. And I was in Hanoi, way up the north of Vietnam. And for those of you who've been to Vietnam, right, it's, it's testing, it's a real challenge to, to cross the road. Because there doesn't seem to be, there's no lanes or anything like that. And the place is full of mopeds and bikes and everybody was just moving. And the first day I got out and stood at the side of the road for about 10 minutes, wondering how to negotiate. There was no green man or red man or anything like that. You, you just had to, to, to move, right? And somebody told me, right, that, that what you have to do is to basically walk straight across and don't stop, don't falter. Because if you do, you will cause an accident. <laughs> it's my fault, right? So the, the trick is that if you, just, if you just take a line and follow your line and walk on a slow thing, everybody will move around you. And that was exactly what they did. But to get the balls to actually, it's like when you see them all going, right, you just go like, shit, mopeds going, meh, 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 meh. And, um, and that was my first day. It was, was, I just got into it. And you, it was like, you just walked straight into the road and just walked, right? And just kept walking and all the cars went round you. It was, it was fantastic. And the next thing I had to do, because there was no kind of real taxis there and the, the best way of getting about and all the traffic, all right, was on the back of a moped, right? And, um, and I'm six foot five. And there was these wee Vietnamese guys with these tiny little mopeds, right? And they all come up and they go like, I, 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 I'll take you, what you, what you, what you, what you, what you, and you do a deal. And you, you basically do a deal for how much it's going to cost. And, um, and then you pay the guy at the end, right? But of course, as soon as you get on the moped, the guy realises that it's, it's a, whoa, I've got a big six foot five Scotsman on the back of here. But, after the initial couple of runs, it just became really natural. You just got so used to just hailing the moped, little moped taxis, and people would take you and you'd, you'd pay some piastres, whatever it was, across to the, the guy at the end. And I kind of went out... <coughs> I went out from Hanoi after Christmas Day, after a couple of days there, and then I came back, and I was going to have New Year in Hanoi. And I was I'd taken my kilt out with me because I was, I was doing all my hill walking in the kilt. So when I was away up in the, the provinces and, and diddly bopping about with my wee paddy elf and stuff, you know, I wore the kilt and a big pair of sturdy boots. And um, when I came back to Hanoi, I, I decided that I was going to go out on New Year with myself and, you know, and wear my kilt and have a laugh. <laughs> and it was fantastic. It's like, uh, it was like, I, I went, I just walked out, negotiated the traffic, went through, I had a wonderful meal in a place, I went to this bar, where, a little bar down by the lake. There's a big lake in the middle of uh, Hanoi. And it was um, a little bar down there. And I bumped into, this is true, right? It was an English guy from Manchester, I think it was. And then there was a French guy, right, who used to work in a nuclear submarine. <clears throat> and I was with a couple other really weird guys. And um, but they were fantastic characters, right? And we ended up kind of yeah, very, very drunk. <laughs> I was having a great time. I was just, just like I said, just diddly bopping around an oil on my own and stuff and just going into places, have a drink and move on. And I brought the bells in in this, this little bar just opposite the, the, the lake in, 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 in the centre of the town. And by this point, you know, I'd been in oil, like I said, for two, three days at Christmas time. So I kind of knew my way about. I knew where all the good four shops were. I knew where the artist quarters were and 
all the different kind of areas, uh, which is a fantastic place. It was one of my favourite places in, in, in Vietnam. But I had to get back on New Year after I brought the bells in, and it must have been about one or two, right? And um, <clears throat> I said goodbye to all the guys, and it was all, you know, strange and brilliant. Walked out of the bar, huh? and next thing, this guy pulls up on a moped, right? And, of course, I'd been... When people saw me wearing a kilt, they, they thought I was kind of transgender or something. They couldn't quite get their hands around it at first until they realised I was Scottish. Then they knew that it was, ah, Scottish, you know, loved all over the world. And, um, but it was drawing a lot of glances, and this guy had obviously like, picked me up and thought I was like, you know, I was going to be turned, right? So anyway, I said to him, this is the hotel, this is the street. I didn't really speak much Vietnamese, so I was kind of reliant on, you know, this is the... And he went off in a completely wrong direction, right? <clears throat> and he did, he looked like a bit of a weasel, right? He, he was a shifty wee bastard, right? And I was kind of like, but I felt right, you know, it was, you know, here we go. It was, it was only a five minute, 10 minute journey on the moped back to the hotel. And suddenly it was like 10 minutes, 50, and I'm, and I'm tapping the guy in the head, telling him like, go, no, no. It's like, did it, it's that way, right? And it's, it was, I was basically ripped off. And I was also starting to get just a little bit nervous, right? And uh, I thought, you know, am I going to get jumped here, right? And he took this long roundabout way and I'd agreed to pay him, like, say, what was it, 200 or whatever it was, 200 chairs. And um, he got me back to the hotel and then he starts going, like, you know, 500, 500, you know, and I'm like, nah, nah, it's 200, you cause the problem. Then he started to get really... <laughs> Narky, right? And he was like, you know, he was off the bike, right? And he was like standing in front of me and he's like gesticulating wildly. And luckily the porter was coming out the hotel because he'd seen the frack eye in the street, right? And this is like two, three in the morning and it's a six foot five Scottish guy in a kilt, right? But I'm a Vietnamese guy. And I thought the guy was going to go for me, like I really did. So what I did, I just didn't... I pulled out the skiing do whipped it out and it was like fuck off <laughs> and he did <laughs> it's something I would never normally do but I was actually I thought I was somebody was going to pull something on me and I was it was like you know it was it was difficult to get out of that situation and it was like a big bark and the big singer's voice you know and uh, I think that frightened him the voice probably frightened him more than the wee Argentinian pocket knife but it was uh, but that was that was New Year in Hanoi uh, it was brilliant. And uh, I, I, on New Year's Day, <clears throat> I went up and saw uh, Ho Chi Minh. I, I, I went up on New Year's Day because I knew it would be quiet. And I went up and, and saw the body of Ho Chi Minh lying in state, which was absolutely bizarre, right? And uh, it was, um, I'd never actually seen that before. And it, he was still there, lying in an open casket. You know, after all these years, it was kind of like, like a Walt Disney thing, and there was lots of rumours that, you know, it wasn't really him and stuff like that, but it was like, it was quite an experience, and I was just be mopeds about all day. But that was New Year in Vietnam, it was brilliant. And here we go. Mark Hodley, Vietnam 2008. Yeah. He must have been there, well, I say I was there in January, right? Carlos Contreras. Oh no, I'm losing this feed again. Sue experience for me in Vietnam, crazy. I'm a tall chap myself and sitting in the back of a wee moped, speeding through the traffic, and the pissing rain was quite the ride. It was great. But it was like, and some of the guys were really cool about it, and other ones were like, the bike was shaking and everything. You know? 
Glenn Dave from Canada. John Smith. Yay, John, thank you again. Oliver Gutschka from At Vidermus. Louise Mary, uh, Mary Parkin. Um, moving on. I'm, go I'm actually going to play you a couple of songs tonight. I don't know how long this is, is going to last right? uh, tonight. But um, it's really... Uh, New Year's a weird time for me. The worst New Year I ever had. The worst one, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. And it's like, I know someone is here, so it's like we walk into that but that thing again. It's, um, but the worst one was when I had my vocal operation, and that was uh, um, 2009. I'm 2009 was the worst one. Just came out of the hospital about seven days before, right? I was supposed to be looking after my voice, which I was trying to do, and... Um, my second wife left me, and I didn't. Well, she left me the two days after Christmas, I think it was, and she was supposed to be back. Hug my name wasn't, and I got the phone call that day saying that was it's like not coming back. <laughs> I'm sitting there in this house, and I couldn't talk to anybody because I just had my voice. I had this operation on my voice, and I couldn't could drink anything that was kind of acid. And all I had was three tins of John Smiths, and I had three tins of John Smiths. I took a load of. Um, um, I was it a tamazepan? Took a bunch of tamazepan to knock me out, not to do anything else, you know, not to do anything black. But I mean, you know, and I just that was it. Three tins of John Smiths, a couple of uh, tamazepan, and it was like it was in bed at twelve. Crap, right? Absolutely rubbish. But um, but we did we did we were okay last night. We we watched um, uh, we watched Billy Connolly, which was just fantastic. If you've not seen it. This are, it's a great kind of tribute thing to, to Billy, and Billy is probably most of you know has got Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease, and um, uh, he's basically said that's it. He's stopped now. He's he's not going. He's not doing any more shows or or anything, you know. And um, completely understand, but it was just such. It was such a beautiful show, and he was talking. He was he was being very open in the interview, about, you know, about you know what his plans were and. And, and why he called it. And, you know, he's left such a legacy. And I was, you know, it's, I think it saved me last night because although Simona found it a bit difficult to understand, it was, uh, I was in stitches. I was absolutely howling. Uh, that man, you know, is so, so funny. And um, I saw him once at the, the Hammersmith Odeon and way back in... Um, I think it was in the early, very early 90s or late 80s or something. And he was, it was one of the funniest shows I've, I've ever seen in my life. And last night, there was some of the sketches he was doing about the incontinence pants and things. It was just... <laughs> as he as said, it was like, he just picks up stuff that's so normal and just makes you take another look, a look at it from the, uh, another look from the, from the other side. And you just... <laughs> but it was fantastic. I met him a couple of times. And, um, and he's, he was great. And uh, he he was, I think the first thing was, he, oh, that's right, I was where, I was, um, I was at the airport and it was, I think it was where uh, my first wife or something. And we were waiting in international, I think we were flying away on holiday. And um, he came bounding across, he went, oh, Fish, how are you doing? And I was going like, it's Billy Connolly. <laughs> and, uh, and the next thing we met him, I met him at, uh, on the steps going up to the stage at Live Aid. And uh, the only thing, you, if you actually look at the, 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 the video live, you'll see me poking about at the back, right? 
and I was kind of, I wasn't very sure whether to go on, and there was, you know, there was a lot of my mates had already kind of gone up, and I was kind of standing at the back, and Billy Conley came running up to me, come on, fish, let's go for it, here we go, and we went up, and we were kind of standing next to each other on the live aid stage, and, uh, and I had this, I tried to meet him up in Malta and things, because he had a place in Gozo, when I was, when I'd been across in Malta, I'd like sent messages across and I'd got a message back from a friend of his, but we never managed to meet each other. He was a lovely guy. Absolutely, he's a, he is a lovely guy. But last night it was kind of watching the, the Billy Connolly thing was just, <laughs> it kept me a bit sane, you know. And, um, and only an excuse, which if you're a Scottish football fan, then you, we get this from BBC Scotland. It's an irreverent look at the game. Oh. After Gil, the Billy C, C show was incredible, yeah. Andrew Evans, Troy, popular is from Missouri, Glam Dave. Yes, Glam Dave. I, I, I've got it. I was going to post it up. I saw the picture on the fish official, the official group pages, and it's the cake you did was absolutely brilliant. Simona, Simona picked it up. Simona picked it up and sent it across to me, and it was like, wow. So I'm going to put that up in the next days. I, I meant to put it up this week, but... In all honesty, this week I've just been monged. <laughs> I've done nothing. It's a I, I, after Boxing Day, someone and I had no desire to do anything. We started to get up late. We got up and I'd take my breakfast through to my mum, right, and then went back to bed again. And we were getting up and then coming through here, having a bowl of soup or whatever, and then sitting watching TV. And then it was like it was the Sunday Times Wine Club, <laughs> and we just did that for days. I just got off our tits. And it was wonderful. And uh, it was, um, nobody fell over. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. We've just been dealing with it. I mean, I think it's just been such a weird holiday season. I mean, just not seeing anybody. I mean, there was, well, Tara was down. She came down with Jono on, uh, I think it was a couple of days after Christmas on Wednesday, I think. And I put the brazier on outside and we all sat outside in the garden in the freezing fucking cold. <laughs> and, uh, and we kind of, it was the first time I'd, I'd seen Taz for a bit and it'll be the last time we'll see for a thing. But it's, that's one of the, the um, um, it's one of the things I wanted to talk about because it's the obvious one if you know this one. It's one of my best, best New Year's ever. Uh, Phil Wood, Michael Lauterman, Matt McCafferty, Alan Laidlaw. Andy Laidlaw, Fish, if you were to go first foot, and what would be your best whiskey to take? I'd take a very cheap one, right? And then try and drink the expensive ones in other people's houses. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, it's the one thing that you're going to have this, this new year. It's like in about two weeks' time, you won't have a cupboard full of both, both beer and wine and stuff. <laughs> it's like, I remember, I remember back in the... Uh, Back in the days in the 90s, it was like when Norwegians, when Norwegians visited us, they always bring us a bottle of Linnea, right? And Linnea is, uh, it's an aquavit, right? It's really strong. And it's called Linnea because seemingly it's got to cross the equator, right? For some reason, the, 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 the bottles have got across the equator, some strange Norwegian thing, right? And the regions, I don't know whether they really hate it or something, but they, they, they always give you a bottle of Linnea, and it's lethal. And it's always the one that gets left until, you know, that night in the middle of June when you've, you're having a party and you've run out of everything, right? And then somebody goes, let's open up the Linnea, right? 
And I used to have balls of this stuff. And it, after, that's what I used to hear about New Year parties, because people would come along and go, there you are, there's a bottle of five pound Tesco wine, I'll just go and drink your chalet. <laughs> and you'd be left with all this shite, right? Bottles of wine that you wouldn't even cook with, right? And it's, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and weird things, like, you know, what was it you were drinking the other, the other day? We were talking about this, the yellow shit. Um, the Advocat. Advocate, advocate. This what's probably started me off on the road to ruin. Was every Christmas, right? My dad would give my sister Laura and I. We were allowed to drink advocate with baby sham. I can't remember what it was called, and I'm leaving this for you. <laughs> but it was a, uh, it was advocate and baby sham, and I used to think it was brilliant, right? And I always made to make sure I was I had to put a wee bit more baby sham in than the. the but it was like there you are, there. a snowball. That was what it was, a snowball. And, um, yeah, so we used to get these snowballs and we used to always come, get a snowball, get a snowball. Yeah. And I found, there was a bottle of Advocat and I thought, where did that come from? I didn't realise you'd gone and bought it. It was for, for the cake. It was for the cake. Yeah. You made a cake. But, yeah. But bottles of linear, right? And I, 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 oh. <laughs> I'll not go into too much detail on this, but it was when I lived in Gerrard's Cross, there was an American guy who came down and it, we had a big party in the, in the house in Gerald's Cross. And uh, there was a load of musicians that had come up and uh, White Snake were playing Wembley. And there, there was guys coming from gigs were coming to my house for this party. Right? And uh, there was an American guy that had come along with a mate of mine and he was, he was a bit cocky. Right? And he was trying to show off and I think he was already half cut. Right? And in this house in Gerald's Cross, I actually had a little bar, right? And there was a, a, a tiny little kind of wooden bar in the corner and it had loads of stuff in it. it I mean, I had stuff in there that, that, that I was, I, I still had it when I moved up here years later because it was like vermouths and I decided to get into making cocktails and bought all the stuff, right? And the blue bottles and green bottles and yellow bottles and orange bottles. I never knew what they were, right? But anyway, this American decided to go behind the bar, right? And underneath the bar, as it should be, right, there was a bottle of tequila. But it wasn't a bottle of tequila. It was a bottle, it was Pachin in a tequila bottle, right? And the American thought it was tequila. Now, Pachin, for those of you who don't know, is deadly. It's kind of, it's like raw alcohol, right? And I'd been given it, uh, by an Irish friend, right? And I kept it because I knew it was lethal. And, you know, when you took it, you only had to take a little dab. You know, you didn't start it. And this American boy was behind the bar necking Pachin out of a tequila bottle, right? And honest to God, it was like it was like watching somebody getting hit by an exocet, right? The guy went from being upright, right, to vomiting all over himself on the floor and writhing in the space of something like 20 minutes, right? He was just, he was gone, right? And he's, and he's going, man, the tequila's really strong. Somebody went, man, it's not. Pachin, Pachin. That teaches you, never go raiding other people's bottles, right, without finding out what's in them first. Just saying. Huh? But, Anita Vanderwolf, from Holland, Andy Laidlaw, did you first foot last night? We're not allowed out. 
we're, we're doing tier four. We can't go anywhere. We can't visit people, right? So we just all stayed in our houses. It's bloody freezing out there. And on the farm, it's like uh, we, got the, we got the snow in the last three few days, which is another reason why I never went out. There was one day I did go out and I was going to go and plant a rose that my daughter had given me right for my Christmas. And it was, I needed, I needed a jackhammer to, to, I was like, forget it. It was just rubbish. And the snow fell and then it melted, right? And then it froze. So all the pebbles out the, out the, the, the front of the house, it's just, it's a, just a, a sea ice, right? And we don't get no gritters up here. <laughs> But we said the posh over in Dalkeith, we got lemonade in our taste of lemonade, I real. Mark Hodley, rum for you. Yep, yeah, we did a rum last week. Yeah, bought a seven-year-old Havana rum. That was another one. I had a new year in Havana. That was a, cra a cracker as well. <laughs> <laughs> we want to do that sometime. We wanted to go away for New Year sometime, eh? When it, yeah, dying for... Just saying, 2017, that was the last holiday that Simone and I had. It was, and that was our honeymoon, one week, right? And we had three days, right? In London. That's the only time we've been away. I don't know. Happy year, Cynthia. Kenny Tate, the good thing about living alone. Aye, aye, aye. Oh, timeline. Snowballs, Baby Sham and Sherry. Uh, I was Baby Sham and Advocat, right? Uh, Doc Bob Davidson, you excuse for being late. Uh, been busy chaffing a two kilo slice of pig. Chaffing? What's chaffing? <laughs> Raymond Hunt, Talier Macduff, 1993. Remember that song from the tour? <laughs> Mark Corner, isn't advocate of Genesis album. Very good, very good. Yeah. Get it, boy, and you're like, Gosh, from the Netherlands, yeah. Blue Nun was a religious comedian who told dirty jokes. Yeah, Jack Mack, yeah, Blue Nun. That was the stuff that you always got left for it. That sweet, really sweet white wine. Oh. Uh, Owen Boyle, I got given tobacco wine one evening and even icing it with everything I had, couldn't mask it. Tobacco wine? Never had that. Yes, Philip Garbutt, Hope Simona as well. <laughs> see a so, so see, I can see your snowballs under the kilt and I was going what that's the thing you always worry about you, know, you keep your legs open and there's always some bastard around with a camera but there's a lot of ladies know all about that in fact see when you wear the kilt right the number of times I've had women put their hand up my kilt to see if I'm wearing anything underneath right if seriously it's like, you know, so many times you're standing there and you just suddenly get a hand coming up your kilt. And then you turn around and say, like, I'll just check in. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> nobody talks about that these days. Uh. Cannon Briggs, happy year to you. Cheers, Mark Stoughton, Baby Sham, Kiddie Booze. Yeah, it was Kiddie Booze. I was, I was only about 10, remember. <laughs> right? You know, I'm not talking about being a teenager. I'm talking about being about 10, 11 year old. Right? Carol Heinz Ryder, Bavaria, Alan, Angela Hatwell, Pachin, Lethal, remember that from my teenage years. <laughs> Steve Wells, Scottish festive season, take Baby Sham and Advocate, which both contain alcohol, mix them together, call it a snowball and feed into the kids. <laughs> Correct. Uh, uh. Uh, Scott Beveridge, what's the be no choice? I'm drinking a duck and pheasant. It's a sovi. It's a 
Joseph Rodriguez, Havana Club, Havana Club, seven year old rum. That is the dog's bees, really seriously. Got Roy, my dad loved Bacardi. My dad was, was a mad Bacardi man. And uh, um, my dad used to drink whiskey, right? And was, was seemingly told by my mother that he had to stop drinking whiskey, right? So he shifted on to gin and he drunk gin with, um, you know, the, not even fresh orange. It was that stuff like you dilute, you put water in. So it was like a concentrate. He had gin and orange concentrate. I, I, I didn't know this, you know, back then. You know, I didn't, I don't know, I know that, I had a word, right? But he couldn't settle on what he wanted. And uh, he got turned on to Bacardi and he was really into Bacardi and Coke. And uh, and that was always his drink. It was, it was my dad's drink, Bacardi and Coke. And... Uh, <laughs> He's, my dad wasn't a big drinker. He was never. He wasn't a pub man by any stretch of the imagination, and mainly because he was in the garage business and we did breakdowns. So you know he'd be getting called at, you know at any time of the night to go out in the, the Land Rover and basically tow cars away. So you know he, you know even though he knew all the coppers and all the rest of it, and the, you know he didn't drink and drive. The only times he did drink and drive was where the police told him to. Right. Well, not to drink and drive, but they said, we need you now. <laughs> Get dressed. They actually picked him up from a... Uh, there was a farmer's ball in, um, in um, a way up near Lauder. And they actually picked him up to come back home to get changed, to try to go out with the truck to take, pick up a smash car. <laughs> so, like, my dad was never a drinker, but Bacardi was his thing. And uh, I didn't really know anything about Bacardi. And you came... You know, it had the bat. Right, the, the Bacardi bat. And it came from Cuba, and I always thought Bacardi came out of Cuba. Then when I went to Cuba, I found out... Phew, and I've never drunk Bacardi since. It's, um, it's one of them things. Uh, when I was in Cuba, when I was, when I was first playing about in Facebook, and uh, I was kind of putting these, these blogs up and things, right? And um, I got absolutely hammered. <laughs> I was Americans... <laughs> It was a load of Americans like, having a real dig at me for being in Cuba and for daring to kind of, um, you know, exalt. You know, I was just writing about the history, going, this is an incredible place, and Che Guevara was here, and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, you know, when I was down in the south in Santiago de Cuba. And I got pelters. Like, people really, I mean, really coming at me on it. But one of the things, you know, going to Cuba and learning about it was the fact that the Bacardi family, you know, they were the big kind of plantation owners. And... Uh, um, Fidel Castro offered them the chance to stay there and, and uh, all the rest of it and, um, uh, to, because he understood that the, the, the rum the, the Bacardi rum was, was a major thing and, and the Bacardi family left so seemingly all the Bacardi now is all made in it's the Dominican Republic I think it is and, um, and you know, Bacardi you cannot get on, on, the, on the island of Cuba and it's, the, the family was, was you know, if they had statues, they were torn down. That's all I'm saying. And uh, but it was interesting. I came back and tried to convince my dad to come off Bacardi <laughs> because it was politically incorrect. <laughs> Did he listen? Did he fuck? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was one time I've, I've still got when I went out to before Cuba when, on a previous holiday when I went out to the Caribbean. 
I, I managed to find that this huge bottle of uh, Bacardi that's got a handle built into the side of it. <laughs> and it holds about three bottles. And I gave him that. And we always kept it. And um, it's one of the things I still treasure. This It's an empty bottle of Bacardi. That was, that was my dad's Bacardi bottle. That every year we used to fill up the big bottle with bottles from other bottles. <laughs> It's a family heirloom now. <laughs> but when I went to Cuba, I absolutely fell in love with Havana Club rum. And uh, it, you know, between that and margaritas, that that toasted me. <laughs> toasted me a lot. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> and Stacey, oh no, miss it, Ray. Been hitting the White Russians the past week. Wonderful drink. Mike Connabier. Yeah, White Russians. I remember... It was on, I think it was on the 83 tour. <laughs> this is a great one as well. I might have told this, this one before. I can't remember where it was, but it was somewhere near Detroit, and it was, it was a club that was in the kind of intersection of three freeways. So it was like... It was like this club that sat there and this mess of ground... Right, and uh, we turned up and and and, and for sound check. Right, <coughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. We turned up to do the drop off and do the sound check, you know, and then go to the hotel to check in. Right, and we were staying in that hotel that night, obviously, and we had a day off the next day, and uh, it had been kind of tough. This this was on this was on the 80, 83 tour, right. And um, we turned up to this gig, <laughs> and it had, please welcome from the UK, the Merry Lions. <laughs> the Merry Lions. <clears throat> and we just went, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, no. And then we found out we sold about 16 tickets. <laughs> and this was a place nobody in their right mind would go to in darkness. It was like in the middle of three freeway. It was like the freeway arced over the, the backstage area kind of vibe, you know? And it was this big concrete block sitting in a wasteland. Please welcome the Merry Lions. <laughs> All the way from the UK to here. Right? And, uh, <laughs> and we went back to the, the hotel and... Between soundcheck and gig time, Mark Kelly and Steve Rothery must have asked about three buckets of white Russian. <laughs> it was happy hour in the hotel, and they just decided to get completely... They just went, fuck the gig, I'm getting wasted, right? And they, they, Steve Rothery was absolutely hammered. I've, I, find, I, don't ever, I don't think I ever saw him so drunk again, never on stage. Like... <laughs> But we went on stage to like ten people in a shit and dug. <laughs> we had no idea who we were. They were just locals that came along to see people from the UK, and of course thought it was real Mary Lyons. So, oh, real Mary Lyons. And I, I don't know how we got through the gig. It was a short gig. It was, it was like it was cut down to about an hour, and um, it was uh, we kind of we pummeled away through it and went back to the hotel and just, just got completely wasted. But that was white Russian time. That was white Russians. Uh, Mark Kelly at the keyboard like that. <laughs> it looked like a puppet with all the strings cut. Huh? Uh, Axel Thura, did you taste... Oh, I missed it. Oh, the Bavarian whiskey. Yeah, I've had that. That's not whiskey. 
that Bavarian stuff's no whiskey. I had that in 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 Durlach. Carlos, oh, oh yeah, I saw a chance of that pistol, yeah. And I've got to go down, I missed that Stefano, it's too, too low on the thing. Marina Bura, the Merry Lions, yeah, like as in Happy Cats, right, the Merry Lions. We should have changed the name of that, we could have broken it in a completely new market, yeah. <laughs> John Goodwin... I'm not covid with that cough. It's not. It's a bloody vape cough and I've been smoking this week, okay? I'm, that's why we've made the New Year resolution to get ourselves healthy and become saint-like. Andy uh, Lidlow, <laughs> yeah. Ingo Sass, Mario Lyons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I never told you this, but was it Tanya Wyman? Puppet Show and Mary, the Puppet Show, yeah. Yeah, the Puppet Show got the best billing, yeah. Talk, yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute as well. Yeah, I'll talk about getting Bill in. Right. Uh, Angelo, Angelo De Negri, I remember your water or cognac cola asked to the crowd from the stage in Florence during the Misplaced Childhood Tour. <laughs> Brandy and Coke. Gary Lenders got pitched in White Russians in the Square in Malchesney Well and Holiday. Mrs. had only left before an hour to buy fridge magnets. <laughs> She left you for an hour to buy fridge magnets. So you decided to get hammered. Brilliant. Uh. <laughs> yeah, Dave Hardy, they yeah, hope the dog paid. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Richard Hall, this Christmas I've been drinking Korev, which comes from Cornwall. The translation for Korev is beer. That's good. Korev. Uh. Oh, go away. Charlie Bruce, if you're into rums, then you really must try dark matter, dark matter distillers. I'll check that out. But no, I, I, no, 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 we're not. No, see, that's what happens. It's like, you know, you stop drinking and then somebody goes, oh, I just bought you a crate of wine. You go, I don't want it. Right. So I'll be back on the air, the air dinger, alcohol fry. Joyce Van de Brugge, is your family from a clan? I know in Scotland they have clans. I'm from the Keith clan. And then that's well, it's the Keith clan. That's similarly we we always thought we were either Campbells or McDonald's, but we're actually from the Keith clan. <laughs> Richard Devlin, Old Inverness, world's worst whiskey. It can strip paint from police cars. <laughs> uh, Victoria Alatorical Harrison, Bladnock. Uh, we had. Sai B, we had ch Chimney Monk, Trappist Beer. Chimney Monk. Is it Chimey or Chimney? Chimey. <laughs> Pete Turtle got to take the rough gigs with the smooth, yeah. Fucking tell me about it, man. Uh. Oh, wait, here, oh. No, I missed that one. Chris Harris, never try to white Russian. Don't. <laughs> Unless you want to put on about a stone in a week. Right. It's like, what is it? What's a white Russian? It's cream... Cacao, cream de creme de cacao, and vodka and cream, right? Oh. <laughs> nah, I'm not going there. <laughs> Best Christmas. This was beef. Well, not Christmas. The best New Year. It was. Um, it was um, ninety-one. 
uh, on New Year's Day, 91. Um, that was kind of my best and probably my weirdest one. It was uh, because today is my daughter Tara's 30th birthday, right? And it's brilliant. It makes me feel really old, the fact that my daughter is now 30. You know, it's like what happened to the 21 bit onward, you know? It's just disappeared. And she's 30 today. And she's there with our lovely guy, Jono, and we dug uh, Dexter. And they're across in a house in, in Fife, at the top of a hill. And so they're on their own. So Tara had been hoping to have friends up and obviously everybody cancelled and she's not able to go out and there's nothing to do and there's no restaurants and stuff. So she's celebrating her, her 30th birthday with, with Jono and Dexter. So if you're watching, darling, I don't know if you're happy birthday and I love you loads, right? And here's the story. Tara was supposed to have been born round about Christmas Day in 1990, right? So 25th, 26th of December, 1990. Our mum, Tamara, was like busting, right? Even when we had Christmas dinner, you know, I was fully prepared to take her in and she had to go to the Eastern General Hospital, which no longer exists anymore. It's a real shame. It was a, it was a, a great wee Victorian hospital. It was closed down. And, um, and it's in Leith, right? And that was designated as being a, a hospital where, you know, the child was to be born, which I was quite happy with because the Eastern General is in Leith, which is where the Hibernian Football Club come from. So I was really happy that she was going to be a Letha, right? And um, Christmas Day passed and nothing happened. And then Boxing Day passed and nothing happened. And it was like, we were starting to get a little bit concerned and it, it moved on. And it was getting past the due date. And sure enough, on Hug Minet, I'm in there taking... Uh, uh, Tammy into the into the um, Eastern General, uh, and it was it was coming. It was like you know it was it was going to happen. The walls hadn't broken at that point, you know, and um, but it was getting to the point where we, something had to be done, you know. So we went to Eastern General, and it was like a Fellini film, right? It was Pishmarine, right, and. The Eastern General, one of the reasons why it was shut, because it needed so much renovation. And we went into these long corridors, right, with the yellow kind of light on them, really old NHS hospital corridors, with water dripping through the roof into buckets, right? And I went through and I got my, 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 my then wife through into the kind of the area where it was like she was getting taken into the, the, the wall. And it was... Uh, it was just really, really bizarre, right? And basically, the, the bells happened. I don't even know what happened with the bells. It was like, and I was kind of through there with my wife, who was like, you know, waiting to try and get it going and trying to, you know, move things forward. And, um, and then it was like, I remember taking the gas a lot. It was like we were sharing the gas. <laughs> Yay! Yay, baby! I'm having that fucking baby! <laughs> and, uh, and this was where it got really quite strange, right? Oh, I tell, in fact, I, I got it wrong. I remember B 
been next to Tally and we're just taking the gas. And next thing, the doors burst open and two nurses came in dressed like elves, right? I went, Happy New Year! <laughs> there was a party going on down the, down the part of the hospital and these nurses were supposed to be, they, they were just taking a turn away from being on duty and they come back dressed and they're like, Happy New Year! <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was, I had to leave. I was asked to kind of leave, let them get on with it. And uh, <clears throat> I went through to this room and this is a really strange thing, right? I went through to the waiting room and I was sitting there on my own, right? And on the TV was Cabaret, right? The film, Lisa Minnelli, Michael York and stuff, right? And, um, and I was watching it, obviously I knew the film and I was just going, this is bizarre. I mean, it's like, you know, my, my your Berlin born wife is giving birth to her first child and I'm sitting watching Cabaret about Berlin, right? And uh, it came up to this part in the, 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 the movie where there's this really strange thing that, that happens in that Lisa Minnelli and Michael York, they're in this kind of little beer garden thing. And there's a little boy singing and he sings, Tomorrow Belongs to Me. Well, Fatherland, Fatherland, show me a sign. <clears throat> and um, as the camera pans back, as it reaches the peak of the song, and everybody around them starts to join in. You know, tomorrow belongs, tomorrow belongs. And as the camera pans back, you see the swastika on his arm, right? And it's chilling, you know? And um, it, it, it's a very definitive moment in, in, in the film. And, um, and that was playing, you know, just at the same time as the doctor came in and said, we have to make a decision and we have to do it now, right? And they said, if we don't, if we don't perform a cesarean section, either your wife or your child is going to die. Maybe both, right? And uh, it was like, okay, let's go for it. Bang, gone. I'm there. I was sharp as a fucking tack. In there. Poof. And I went in and, you know, wife was there. And uh, she was lying there. They put the, the thing round. So I was kind of away from the operational area and stuff. right? And I think it was Spandau Ballet were playing. I'm pretty sure it was Gold or something like that was playing. And... Uh, and Tara was born, and she was born by cesarean section, and she was she was a big baby and stuff, and she was beautiful, and uh, it was it was it was just a, a very crazy night, and Tara was born. I think it was four twenty in the morning, and um, so I stayed with, 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 with Tammy and and Tara, and Tara was named after a hill because um, we decided that. Um, if it was a boy, it was going to be Kieran, right? And if it was a girl, it was going to be Tara. We wanted an Irish name. And it was like Tara was there because it was the hill where the fairies came came down to earth. That was why I chose, or, or my then wife and I chose Tara, because it was where the fairies came to earth. And that was it. And um, I left Tara, right? Um, and her mum. And I drove back home. I hadn't, had, obviously, I hadn't had anything to drink, you know, and I was like absolutely exhausted, right? And I, I got back home, I think it was, I think I, I got there about seven in the morning or something, seven, half seven in the morning. And uh, my mum and dad were there. And obviously, kind of, you know, they knew, I, I'd phoned them up and, and, and said, you know, that everything was okay. 
and I came back, uh, slammed <laughs> a large amount of Bacardi and Coke with my father. <laughs> Ten miles through. <laughs> and we stayed up and I was emotionally, I was physically and emotionally exhausted. Right? And um, I remember watching, uh, there was a movie on and it was something to do like, and for some reason we ended up watching this movie about a nuclear war or something. It was on the telly and it got to me, it just activated something. And I remember, you know, bursting into tears at some point. And, um, and I went to bed and I woke up about midday and I'd promised Kenny Graham, who was the, the, the guy who ran the Tyneside Tavern in Harrington, which was my local. I said to Kenny that I'd come down and if the baby was born, we'd wet the baby's head in the Tyneside Tavern on January the 1st, right? New Year's Day, today, right? And um, so my dad drove me down, right? Because I was, I'd, like I said, I'd had a swally and I was, you know, I was, my dad was going to take me back into the hospital kind of in the afternoon to see Tara and Sammy. And um, I'll never forget this, right? My dad dropped me off outside the pub, right? And Kenny Graham, the owner of the Tyneside, who was a Glaswegian, kind of, hello there, how are you going? <laughs> he comes out of the pub, right, in an SS uniform. See, <laughs> you know, he comes out in a full SS uniform, right? And I'm going, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm having some sort of like, you know, flashback. <laughs> this is something not right here. And he's going, oh, happy new year. Big SS man is in the, in the doorway of the Tyneside Tavern. And he's going, I'm going, ah. Right. And I walked into the Tyneside Tavern and everybody was wearing fancy dress. Right. And they were all dressed up like Aloha Low characters, which for those people who don't know, it's actually a BBC comedy thing. It's kind of like all based on World War Two and a French occupied village. And there's all these guys standing about in German uniforms and dreads like French tarts and things. And I'm thinking, I'm going nuts, right? And after the whole experience and, you know, the whole bit as, as well, you know, with, with, the, with the cabaret thing and, and tomorrow belongs to me, I'm going, I'm going to wake up somewhere else any minute now. And I didn't. And seemingly they decide to have an hello uh, <laughs> fancy dress theme party and then nobody mentioned it to me. <laughs> it was absolutely bizarre. And that was that was the day my, my, my daughter was born. And um and it was it was uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. It was it was a, a great day. And I went in the hospital and you know, and the Tara Tara, she was fine. And, you know, everything, you know, turned out. And, you know, now she's 30 <laughs> today, right? But, um, so that's why I want, want to, to play this, right? And uh, because I always wanted to, to write a song for her. And the thing was that when Tara was born in 1991, I was about to embark on four or five years of tough times. Marillion lawsuit, EMI lawsuit, da-da-da. 1993, drop a Polydor, going independent. It was a surfeit. <laughs> <laughs> and Tara was was bubbling all the way through that. You know, she was through there. But, you know, the problem was, and there's a lot of people out there who understand exactly about this, but...
you know, long distance truckers, people that got to work away from home, you know, it's shite being away from family. And like, and it relates to kind of this in a way as well. You know, everything that's been happening in, in 2.20. But I mean, you know, being absent and, and, and being a father and being away. I remember um, I was in a, a tour bus one time and 95 was a big tour. 95 was when I went for broke with a yin and yang best of double album set that was hopefully going to underpin financially everything that was happening and was going to kind of you know, launched the Dick Brothers record company and blah, 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 and um, it didn't happen. And we did, I think we did something like 150 shows that year. And uh, and I was away for long periods of time. I was in Singapore, I was all over the place. I was in Hong Kong, you know, the States at that time as well, in South America. And, it was, uh, and I was away for a long, long periods. And I remember being on a tour bus in Europe and, you know, we had mobiles, thankfully. And I talked to Tara every night. Every night I spoke to Tara before she went to bed. And um, it was, um, and I'm in a bunk on a tour bus, hurtling across Europe somewhere. And uh, Tara said, I've got a new friend at school. She said, uh, I've got a new friend. She said, she's just like me. He says, we don't have dads, right? We don't have dads, you know? And see when her dad worked in Moscow and he was always across there. And that, that was, if that was, <laughs> that was a tough one. And, and Tara said to me, you know, when she got older, she said, you know, I, I don't remember you till, till I was about four year old, five year old. She said, like, you know, and even though I, we, when I came back, we did things and, and stuff, and you know, it was always, you know, when I was back, she had, you know, the attention. But I mean, I was away so much, and it was, uh, and it was awful. And but it was I had no choice, and I think you know, people who are in other jobs that have got similar situations completely understand that. You know, you've got no choice. You have to work. You had to earn the money to pay to keep the house. I mean, that's the whole ridiculous situation it was in, you know. You had to go out and leave the home to keep the home, you know. It's, uh, and it's, it, was, it, was, it was hard. And 95, you know, was when everything kind of... Somebody pulled the pin out the hand grenade at the end of 95, you know. And um, that was when it went seriously tits up but you know when we moved into kind of that 96 time I, I wanted to write a song and the thing was that the thing was that um, with Tara and I every night when we talked right it's that when I was coming back it's that I'll see you in the morning when the sun comes up and every night that's what always um, always said to her like, you know, at night when, I've, when I was at home and things, I'll see in the morning when the sun comes up, you know? And that's how we always finished the night. That was always our kind of end greetings of the night. I'll see you in the morning when the sun comes up. And that's what was right. And the thing was that, you know, you know, I fell into this thing of being, you know, the dad that came back and, you know, I brought her dolls and bits and pieces and I always brought her little special things and like with little stories attached and stuff like that, you know, like, Mementos of where I'd been, and, and 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 you know, still do that to to to, to some degree, you know, and um, it's uh, and that was where the song came from, and 
it was all about being a dad. It was just, you know, because I felt bad because I wasn't there. And, you know, and at the same time, you're aware, you want to be protective and, you know, and, you know, I've seen her all the way through those years. So, before I get too emotional, because I know I am, right? Because even when I hear it, it's like, it makes me think. This is the remote. I don't know what switches are on. Bastard. <laughs> ah! Moves away with the kilt on. Shoots around, sporing dangling about his buttocks. Switches on the CD player. Tries to remember which one it is, and it's number five. Number five, number five. This is for you, Tara. I don't know if you're watching, but I love you loads. Happy birthday.
kind of was on camera there. I said it to someone earlier on, it was like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, this is going to be a bit of an emotional one. And I've got a couple of tracks to play later on that fit this as well. And I thought, <clears throat> a couple of tracks I want to end the show with later. No, no, don't worry, not going to be yet. I had some really nice messages of people and they were really touching. And uh, it's kind of... I think, you know, doing these, these these shows and things, it's like, you know, get some messages back from people and, you know, it's good to be there, you know. I mean, I had some really, I think, you know, across Christmas and Boxing Day, you know, with it being such a surreal event, and I'm sure many of you had, there was a couple of moments where you just go like, oh, fuck. And you switch on the TV and it's, you know, you know, chomp any shit and Brexit and, blah, blah, and it, you know, there's been a couple of days where I've had moments and, you know, we all do, and, like, just trying to gather yourself and get through them and stay focused. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that, you know, this is the first, you know, it's the first. And even though it's just another 24-hour period and nobody press reset and, you know, you don't, you know, put the coin in the machine and start again. Uh, so um, even though it's we're still carrying on, it's like there's just that feeling of hope that you hang on to, which is really it's good, you know. And um, but yeah, I mean I've had it's, it's been a couple of days, and just talking with mates and things. It's like it's um, you know that definitely helps me just being able to communicate. And the, the, I've, I've said this before. It's why I'm, why I like this because I get a chance to you know get my memory activated and and and. Keep it flourishing. <laughs> and it was very interesting because uh, it was um, at the same time when they were talking about vaccinations not being kind of like out and, and really operating and, you know, till the end of the year, uh, you kind of going like, <laughs> and you you going, you know, will the next, will the next tour, will the, will the farewell tour ever happen? Will I ever get a chance to say farewell? <laughs> I mean, the Fish and Friday thing, I'm going to keep on rolling. I mean, um, you know, it's like, we've still got weeks of it to go. And I'd like to get, I'd like to, get to the anniversary one, the one that's on the 18th of March. <laughs> and it'll be a year. That will be 52 shows. I definitely want to get to that. that, that. I want to tag that up, you know. <laughs> oh, God. But it's, uh, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's been a strange kind of, you know, holiday period and you know but I'm and, and starting work again but I mean just on, on on a kind of another note it's like someone and I were talking uh, yesterday and uh, it was um we're going to keep the shop shut for another week because we've got so much stuff with this Brexit crap that's going on we've got to kind of really find out what the fuck is going on and um you know when I talked to my guys about the preparation they said Let, wait and find out where it's going and then activate. So rather than going a mishmash, I'm gonna I'm gonna take two steps back at the moment. Someone and I are gonna take two steps back. We've got a, a new computer to be put in in the office anyway. So we're gonna keep the shop shut for another week. So if um, you're trying to get in touch with someone about anything, we will be off until basically the end. I'll put a notice up, but yeah, it has to be done. I mean the, the the Brexit stuff. I mean it, it was uh, you know it was it was sad yesterday. It was. I mean I was actually sad about it all. But I mean uh, it was um, because I didn't vote for it. <laughs> and uh, like many things, but I'll come on to that later on in the show. 
But as I was saying on the news, one of the good things, it said that um, basically um, books, <laughs> everybody's buying books, and there's been a whole upturn in, in the book market. So maybe you actually might be jumping on at something at the right time. <laughs> Yeah, now, now, now we can only make money from live music and live music isn't happening. Then it's like, time to write books. So like, maybe this is it. And I had a huge breakthrough with a storyline last week. It was, uh, it's a, it's a, a thing called Granny's Park. That I've been, the, the title of it is Granny's Park. And it's kind of about Dalkeith, you know. And um, it's, it's a book I've been... It's been in my head for years. I mean, literally years. And it was kind of trying to work out what I was going to do with it. Is this a film? Is this a book? Is you know, is, is it a screenplay? Is it a book? And um, and I was thinking last week about it, and I'd been watching something on TV, and I just had it was a breakthrough happened, and it was just a, I had it was a complete eureka moment, and um, so I think that's what I'm going to be doing along with the gardening, the autobiography and stuff, you know, is 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 going to happen, but. It, it's like these shows, you know. I mean, I, t I tell you all the stories, and like how the I, I don't want to put them all in order, you know, because it's like if you put them all, it loses the fun. I need to jump about. It's like watching the Billy Conley thing. I mean, what Billy Conley was brilliant at was being able to go in a story and then launch around it and go off on on complete channels off to the side and deal with really humorous subjects and bring it all back in and cement it at the end. And I, I don't know, it, it's something. <laughs> I naturally do, because my head spins off. I get these little things pop up in my head, and it's like, you know, I've got to follow them, you know? And it's, um, and I think that's where my autobiography's got, got it's got to reflect that, you know? I mean, somebody suggested actually doing an, an alphabet, an alphabetized, 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 um, kind of version. So, like, you're B or D, and then you run through it. Bit too formal, you know. I think you need. To, and I, I love the David Niven book Moons of Bloom, where he kind of he danced, he danced around eras and things. And I think that's what I've got to do as well. Uh, this, um, uh, Susie Bond. Yeah, hi, Susie. <laughs> I want. Hold on. Let me roll this up. Hello, Susie. Hope I hope hope. Hopefully, we'll get to see our kids this year. Yeah. We will. Yeah. And this is the other weird thing, right? Not a lot of you know this, right? But my daughter is called Tara, and Simona's daughter mm -hmm. is and called Tara. And it's really weird, right? Tell the story about your Tara. Well... My ex-husband and I, we had Indian friends and I was looking for a name and she, she suggested some names for me and like Satya, Shania, Tara and she told me what they meant. Shania was the san, sanfte, the tender one, no not tender, sanft, delicate and Tara means star. So, and we fell in love with this name. So we called her Tara, because Tara means star. <laughs> I know we, <laughs> you, you can plan it. So, so now, b between us, we've got two kids called Tara. Well, it's Taz, 
It's Taz and Tara. Taz and Tara. Well, ob obviously. Yeah. I knew him from Marillion, from, and I knew that he had a daughter called Tara, but. Oh yeah, you never they, told me that. But you, when, you, when, when your husband said, when your husband said, call her Tara, and you were like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so I thought, I don't, yeah, don't see him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there now, watch it. No. But yeah, so it was like you know, <laughs> yeah, that was a weird things. We've got two Taras, two Taras, a Ramona and a Liam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um. And it's great because they all got on really well. And it was like Tara, the two Taras were, Tara was wishing a happy birthday to, to Taz today, which is really weird. And it's just, I just want to get them all together. We, we just want yeah. to get them all together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. Greg Hill, yeah, Val Gamble. Is that about Iron Mills Park? No, Iron Mills, no. Granny's Park. Yeah. Granny's Park was opposite the British Legion. Down it was at the Douglas Flower Mill. And uh my dad's garage, which was Dick Brothers, was on what was called the, the new Edinburgh Road. The old Edinburgh Road went up by the graveyard and went up um up uh, uh, by Church and stuff. But the the new Edinburgh Road is actually known as Dickie's Bray because my dad, my my granddad, oh I'll go get this right. Oh, this is all going to get really confusing. Dale Hanlon, where are you? Um, it was a slaughterhouse and there was a school next to it. <laughs> That's you. Hey, there's a slaughterhouse. There's built a school next to it. Kids will love it. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. So one part was a slaughterhouse and there was some school next to it. And then it was a... And my great, let's think, my great granddad, let me get this right, my great granddad, um, they had a blacksmith on uh, what was called uh, Back Street, and it was all moved down to the New Edinburgh Road, and it, it became Dickie's Bray because my, 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 my granddad bought a load of like area land there where they were knocking on the old buildings down and stuff. There was like an old tenement there as well. But they also got my, um, they had a bit of land. It was like this big triangle thing. It was down there. One side was on the Esk. The other side, the other side was, uh, the triangle was on um, the manse grounds of the forest that goes up to the, 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 the uh, St. Nicholas Manse. And then there was the hill that came up from the big sheds that went up to the New Edinburgh Road. And on the other side was the British Legion. And, uh, and at the bottom of the hill, just at the River Eskus, where the bridge went over, uh, the, the main bridge went over to, to Edinburgh, it was um, the Douglas Flour Mill. And remember that burning down and stuff. What's it, babe? What you hear? No, it looked so... Yeah. And that was, that was Granny's Park. Iron Mills was on the other side. There was, there was another slaughterhouse on the other side. Oh, see, slaughterhouses for days in Dalkeith. <laughs> so it was... Uh, there was a there was a slaughterhouse down the bottom. I think that was actually the new slaughterhouse that was that was built, um, and uh, that road went down to Animals Park where I used to play football. So that's I remember that very well. I used to go down to Animals Park, but Granny's Park actually belonged to my family, and we lost it. Um, my granddad was on about building houses, and my dad tried to get to build houses there and, and sell the land, but the council would never grant planning permission. 
and because they wanted it, the story was, allegedly, right? And um, my dad was kind of frozen out. And if he'd actually been able to sell that land, he could have uh, managed to save himself in, in 85 when the Dick Brothers garage when he had to shut that down and got turned. But that's another completely different story. <laughs> and I remember, right? So, yeah. There was, um, yeah, so Granny's Park was, was down that area and that's where I used to play uh, all the time when I was a kid, you know? So... Oh. Forbes Candlish, have you ever figured out how many couples named their daughters Kaylee? No, it's like I keep up. It's like that's that's like my daughter. It's like you know my my, my daughter being being thirty today, right? It's like with the Kayleys, it was like since eighty five. You can always tell the oldest Kaylee will always be. Like, it, it, the, there's never a Kaylee that is older, that, that was born before 1985. And I was really proud when I got the little kind of, um, the names book, right? <laughs> what to name your children, right? You know? And uh, it has Kaylee, K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H, and it's a song by Marillion. It's like, they mention me, right? But, it's not, yeah, and that was it. So it was, uh, so the, the oldest one can, could not have been born before, before 1985, so that's it. And every time you meet Kayleys, I remember, like, you know, back in, in the 90s, it was like your little toddlers and things. Now it's like, you know, as I said before in a previous FOF, it was like, you go up to a bar and it's got Kaylee written on the till, on the, the digital uh, the digital readout on the till, because that is who's serving you. Kaylee is, is serving you beer tonight. Yeah. Cristiano Suarez de Silva, Jack Mack. Mary, yeah. Jack Mack, get the notes all together, free labour in your garden. <laughs> Actually, I'm really proud of my daughter because in the last year or so, it's, it's been incredible. And she's now really into gardening and she's become an, a kind of little mini expert on houseplants and things. And she's into growing things and, like, you know, it's, it's brilliant. Ever since she moved out of London, <laughs> Ever since she moved out of London, things have kind of fallen into place, and she's across across in in, in Fife at the moment. Uh. Joyce Van der Broek, how did you and Simona meet? Ah, uh, long story. <coughs> David Rue de Blackwood, damn live, damn live your Scott accent. <coughs> Laura Bittman Ward, a fish story, confusing. <laughs> Mark Hewitt, Iron Mills is a lovely part. I used to love Iron Mills. And there was a house there that I used to like. I, was, I love houses. I, lo I love kind of strange places. Right? And I always love buildings. Like, if I ever won Euro Millions, like, if I ever won like, one of those big Euro Millions, I'd just love to do up all buildings. Like, in this country, right, in, in the UK in general, our planning departments, like, like man, what they did to Dalkeith, right, is shameful. With Jarnock Court, I can remember in Dalkeith, like, running up alleyways and stuff, and there was all these wonderful old houses. And, like, it was like, the high street was, was gorgeous. It was really beautiful. And, um, and we screwed it. It was like the planners, I mean, the, the, those kind of 1960s, 1970s kind of 
you know, ideas. We're like, oh no, man, no. And there's, there's a town, I, I love to research it because it's like, I can't remember where, it, it was in Germany and it was on, somebody might be able to tell us, but it was on the, um, it was a town that was actually just over the border in East Germany. And I remember this, I was there with Yatta, we were on the, the Fish Heads Club tour and we had a, a, a day off there and we got on a train and we went on this train from this beautiful old town and went all the way up the mountain and it was like a little toy town railway and it was a, like a big proper train like a big steam engine with like proper carriages like no a toy town thing but it looked like <laughs> it, was, it was like somebody had sculpted it and the, the 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 railway went all the way around the mountain and as you went up the mountain you had to change carriages you had to you actually change the train at, at some point and you, by the time you got up to the top of the mountain, it was we were in a snow blizzard, right? It was incredible. And th this place, this it was. I think it was the, the tallest. I think it was the tallest um, mountain in that part of Germany. And um, it was it was all beautiful forests. And seemingly after the Second World War, there was a lot of people hid there. A lot of people evaded capture, right? In that area, and they hid in the forests and. Um, the Russians put one of their, uh, they used, because of the hill being so tall, they put a surveillance uh, um, a complex up there so they could actually listen into to West Germany from the, the top of that hill. And it was a, a beautiful place. I'm sure somebody's gonna come up and tell me about this one, right? But, um, but I remember the town, it was just absolutely gorgeous. And it had been, after after the Second World War, it had just been left, right? It hadn't been badly bombed, badly shelled, but nobody had done anything to it, right? And it was falling apart. And rather than just go bang and build concrete shops and flats and stuff, the town council went to preserve the whole place and it is gorgeous. And you know, I always find, you know, in, in the United Kingdom, you know, like there's, there's so many buildings that are just, they're just demolished because it's easier to demolish them. They put the care and attention back into them. And I always, I, I hate it. And like I said, if I ever won, you know, if I ever won Euromillions, that was what I would do. I would get all buildings and turn it into affordable housing, right? Not to make money off it, but just to create a trust to like, you know, give people just to bring back some old buildings, you know? I mean, I was, I was down in Leith just a couple of weeks back. I was, I was, I was driving up, um, I did, well, I was driving up to the Western, the Western General to get my pre-op. And, uh, and I passed the whole area around Salamander Street and things. And uh, they're dropping all the old dock buildings. And they're just such wonderful spaces. I mean, Tara, Tara worked in a space in, in Edinburgh and it was beautiful. It was a, a um, it was a, a warehouse. It was actually, a, a, it was called the Biscuit Factory. And so, you know, people should do up these buildings. I mean, you know, we just forget about the, the, you know, the legacy that we've been left. And people in Europe, because they had to deal with a land war, right? And because they, they, they've dealt with those wars over so many periods, they respect like a lot of this old architecture. Whereas on this island, right? And I hate to sound like Prince Charles, right? But on this island, we've just got such a dreadful attitude towards 
old buildings and 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 the heritage, you know, and uh, and it should be encouraged, you know. I mean, as I said, I mean, there's a lot of places, a lot of spaces that could be easily turned into something very special and something very helpful and beneficial to beneficial to to like local communities and things. But so, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm just a daft old sixty-two year old bastard sitting on New Year's Day talking about you. Uh, oh God! That's another thing that pisses me off. You every time we on Fish and Friday, I've got to do the clean up after and do a lot of banning. You know, not because of anything that 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 that's been said, right? Apart from you know bitcoins, buy bitcoins. I can make <laughs> bastards piss off, right? Carlos Contreras, oh no, I'm moving down, I'm moving down. Alison Melrose, beat you to it with Kaylee, my first wee dug in the early 80s. No, that's Kaylee, that's a dance. C-E-I-L-I-D-H is Gaelic for the dance thing, right? This is Kaylee, right? Okay, so go away. Val Gamble, Jarnat Court, what a mess. I went up, drove through Dalkeith, I was on my mum's birthday, I took my mum up to up to the fourth. We just had a drive about in the car because we couldn't stop anywhere. And I drove through Dalkeith right for the first time in, in quite a while. And uh, I saw Janet Court. It's embarrassing, you know. It's just it's shite, right? I'm sorry, you know. I'm sorry, but it's you know. Actually, the first time uh, the, the first time I was uh, nearly arrested was for. Um, I was at the because the, they've got a fountain in, in John I've just, uh, uh, I've just remembered this. It's the three fish. There's, I think it's three fish. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? And in a fountain, and I think we were throwing stuff in the fountain or something. And, and there was a copper came along, was going to take our names. And I was, I was a kid, right? I was, I was only about like you know, eleven year old, ten, eleven year old. And I was shitting. I go, oh, copper's going to take my name. My dad's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. But this, yeah, the three fish. This is the sculpture, and uh, but Jana Court is just, it's just awful. It was, it was, it was based on. Um, it's a French architect whose name escapes me, but it was this whole idea of concrete shopping centres, and the concrete's falling apart now, right? And we need to just rethink. Somebody needs to completely rethink Jana Court and just get rid of the concrete and find something new that creates, you know, a, a, a space for us. Yeah. Rhonda Hughes, Vernigroda, 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 brilliant, that was it, Vernigroda is the name of the town in Germany, it's, it's, if you ever get a chance to go there, it's one of the most beautiful places, right, the, the, the centre is, is just gorgeous, and to go, to take that train ride and go up the mountain and go through the forest and, and, and just take the climactic change as you go up, it's fantastic, right, oh, Andy Langby's. Oh no, I'm sorry, Andy, Mister. Sean Michael Flynn. My house was built in 1912, and I brought back most of the original woodwork. Oak and Douglas fir. Well done. I love that. I love that. It's 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 just so easy to just go bang, take away. I don't want you know. Let's get rid of this. You know. We should order the Indian actually. I thought so. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to... We're having a takeaway from the Eastern Eye in Harrington tonight. It's one of our favourite curry shops. And Ali delivers. He's a good guy. Ali, if you're watching, can I put in the order now? Eh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just get me anything, you know, what I like. Mm -hmm. uh, and mum's, uh, chicken, chicken korma. Okay. Yeah, chicken korma. All right. Paul Emery, the Fishy Housing Association. Sabina Brignall, my father was from Estonia. Have you been to Tallinn? Of course I've been to Tallinn. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a great story about Tallinn another time. Right. the police, Happy New Year, Brandon Serma. Andy J. Yeah, it's okay, I'm here. Not driving anywhere. Andy Kerwish, come to the Isle of Man. We've preserved a lot of our heritage. I've always wanted to come to the Isle of Man. When I get, when this all breaks through, there's a lot of places I want to go to that I've never been to that I just want to visit. No. John Watson, we need to protect and preserve our heritage. Absolutely. No. Alan Peerbells, quick question. Have you ever been to America, to Speedway? No. I was never a fan of bikes. My, my dad would never let me have a motorbike. I'd just never got into motorbikes. And Speedway, I just don't get really into it. I've been asked. A couple of friends have asked. Darren Wells, the whiplash story, I'll do another time. <laughs> Jack Mack, don't get up with me. Russian thinking through. Chris Harris, I do a songwriting challenge every February. Oh no, I missed it. Sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah, the Gorbals in Glasgow. I mean, Glasgow, I mean, we were, we were talking, you may not know, but my grandmother's, uh, my paternal grandmother, uh, all her family were Glasgow. And my Aunt Mary used to have a dairy and a milk shop. It's down where, it's pretty near the Kingston Bridge, or it used to be near where the Kingston Bridge was. Uh, Le Corbusier, that was it, that's it. Chris Harris, thank you. The brutalism and concrete fetish firmly at the feet of Le Corbusier. That was the arsehole that, that, was, that inspired the Jarnat Court thing. Shameless, right? Oh, da da Rico Pina must have been Grosser Arbear area in Germsny. <laughs> Chris Harris, curry. Yeah, curry. What am I having tonight? I don't know. Sona, what's for... What? <laughs> I let Liam choose for you. Yeah, Liam can choose yeah. for me. Yeah. Alan Johnson, my dad's from Galashiel, says much the same. His great-grandfather was a blacksmith there. Yeah, I mean, there's so many towns. Like... I don't, oh, the other thing is, it's like... You know, we're driving about East Lothian at the moment and seeing the amount of new builds and you're kind of going, where are all these people going to come from, right? And it's, uh, there's so many new builds and they're just boxes. And you know that in 50 years' time, you know, in 50 years' time, it's, it's going to look like Jarnak Court and Dalkeith, basically. And it's like...
Yeah, thanks, Jack Mark. Very clever. Prawn foul, Paul Seagram. I don't know, maybe a job phrase it tonight. Matey Gosh, lamb, Matey Gosh. It's a good one. I do like the Indian garlic chicken, though. You know? Wesley Brad. I like the idea of modernising old builds. I saw some old builds with glass and a modern structural support. That's what I want to see. I want to see old buildings, right, being brought back. There was a really interesting thing on Sky, Sky News earlier on. And they were on about um, uh, the the picture, an old picture house in the hall that they're doing up, and that they're creating, that they're making this old picture house into a, uh, a, a kind of performance space. I think that's brilliant. That's what should be done. Haddington, right? Haddington and East Lothian, right? There, I've seen old photographs of Haddington, and some of those buildings, man, yeah, they were to die for, and you know, they just knocked them down and created crap. You know. Anyway, let's do, let's get let's get away from planning. I've got our problems with that. <laughs> God, McBride. They used to throw fire firecrackers off the flat at McBride Court. Yeah. Jason Deegan. Yeah, cool man. Yeah, I'd like to do a fish tour of Britain. The one idea I've got, right? The one idea. I've got to watch the time. It's um, um, Spike from the Choir Boys. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. We're, we're muckers, you know. what I mean, we we he's he's like my long lost brother, right? I love him dearly. He's great. He's a complete nutter, and I love him. Right? Um, we got talking. In a backstage area, in a, near Stuttgart, and it turns out Spike's a big gardener, and he's got an allotment. Seriously, right? Spike from the Quarterbys has got an allotment, and we got talking about it, and it was at the same time as, as doing this. Uh, it was the same time as the, the program I love, where uh, the Fisher guys there at a brain block. The two guys that go out fishing. What's it called again? The two men on the... the... Prompt, please, prompt, prompt, prompt. It was uh, the guy for the fast show and... Um... Anyway. Could you tell them about the... Oh, no. Got to tell you this one, right? Anyway, that's another one. Right. So Spike and I get talking about allotments and we were talking about this thing where the, the, the fishing guys... I would say this is what we should do. That Spike and I should go around all these allotments and talk to people. The two of us, Canelli, you know, elderly statesmen of rock. <laughs> and go around and talk to these guys that have got allotments about like what they do and stuff. And the Spike's brilliant. And Spike loves it. So it's one of the ideas. You know, when we get through this this post-COVID thing, it's like, you know, <laughs> Spike and I going around talking to guys about their allotments and getting pissed, drinking beer and homemade wine. Pachin. <laughs> Glory Pacino, mate. Right. Darling, I, I seem to my glass seems to be empty. Is it? I seem to have turned a bottle. <laughs> but the thing I've got to admit, right? Everybody knows, or most people should know, the Burniston elevator sketch. If you've not seen it, right? 
just go on YouTube and just do Burniston, B-U-R-N-I-S-T-O-U-N, Burniston Elevator. You can even put in Scottish Elevator or 11. <laughs> the Burniston Elevator sketch is all about um, two guys, two Scottish guys in a voice-activated lift, being unable to move the lift anywhere because of the Scottish accent. It's brilliant. And... I can never resist, even now, getting in an elevator going, 11, 11. And it, it became a running joke amongst all of us. The other night, we were looking for something, right? And we got the voice activated thing on the, the, the TV, right? Huh? Yeah, and all Arctic murders. <laughs> so, so I'm going, darling, I'll find it. I'll use the remote. Arctic murders. <laughs> Nothing found. Arctic murders. Arctic murders. Nothing, right? And someone's going, let me do it. I go, they're never going to understand you. Right? You're German. They'll never, They'll never get your, your, your... Let me try it. Arctic murders. And here we go. And I said, Arctic murders. <laughs> <laughs> And up it comes on fucking sky. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I still love it all. Prog Magazine. Or GOP. <laughs> GOP Magazine on the Fisher Friday Show. I got that this week. I kept kind of quiet about it because it wasn't coming out on the 31st. Some people came, went, went early. And um, there it is there. Pick it out. Um, band of the year, right? I came in fourth. <laughs> I knew I had mental health problems, right? but I'm not a band. <laughs> Marillion came in first. Wow. Yeah. And I came in fourth, which was like great coming as a band. Right? But number one album of the year in Prog Magazine was Velchmills, which was really cool. And uh, it was quite good because it came ahead of the... Right Waitman, but I mean, you know, it's like, they're all in a prog sense. It's like the only album. I don't think Marillion really an album this year. I don't think, did they, I don't think so, no. And um, so then we go into uh, Female Vocalist, that didn't expect to get that one. Uh, event of the Year, which was great. It was General Giant Proclamation fan video, which is stunning, right? It's really good, right? Number two was Marillion, uh, The Couch Convention. And number three was Dream Theatre. And Fish and Friday came in at number four. <laughs> Male vocalist wasn't even mentioned. Uh, reissue, Marillion script for a Justice Here, which was nice. Yeah. So, uh, uh, guitarist, drums, uh, bassist, keyboards. Never, ever. I really, it disappoints me. None of the guys I work for. I mean, like, John Mitchell wasn't even mentioned in Guitarist this year. Uh, Robin Bolt never gets a mention. Steve Vances, right? He's a brilliant bass player. Never gets a mention, right? And um, it's always kind of weird. And I, I always feel bad for the guys. Number one disappointment of the year was cancelled live shows, as voted by the readers of Prog, right? So there you go. So it was like, you know, Marillion got number one band. Um, I was number four band. But the one I was most seriously proud of, apart from Velchmer's being voted Reader's Choice Album of the Year, 
because to get critics' choice and readers' choice was stunning. And I'm sure we, if Merlin had an album, it would have been a big competition. Uh, Unsung Hero, Lucy Jodash, number one. Uh, next year, I would like to see my wife some more again. mentioned. <laughs> nah, you don't want it. Uh, but the thing that really got me and the thing I was most proud of, I mean, the album thing, to get Reader's album and Critic's album of the year was like, wow. Right? But the one I really liked and the one I'm most proud of is I got Person of the Year. Right? And, uh, and I was ahead of Rick, who I, I love dearly and is a great friend, Bob Fripp, brilliant geezer, and Steve O'Gath was number four. Uh, Mike Portnoy number five, but to pick up Person of 2020, right, in this shitstorm of a previous year <clears throat> was great. So whoever voted for me, thank you very much. And I'm really proud of that. And like, it's, um, it meant a lot. And <clears throat> Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer. That's it. Well done. Gone fishing. It's great. I love that. I love watching that. It's so poignant. And just the way, do you love that too, eh? And it's just so poignant in the way that they, they kind of work with each other and, and stuff. It's, it's, it's very touching. But it's, it's incredibly funny. And I like the idea of uh, men talking, you know. And, you know, there's a lot of, I'm kind of a little bit involved with uh, campaign against living miserably. It's something I support. Um, you know, and it, you know, at this period in time, you know, with with COVID and everything else, it's like, I think guys find it very, very difficult. And I don't mean to be sexist in any stretch of the imagination, but I think, you know, guys being in, in in situations where you know, it's it's hard to support. You know, we go back to the Tara situation, the introduction to the Tara lyric. You know, you know, as as a guy, you always feel like you should be protecting and support, supporting. And you know, being the man in the house, and I think you know, it can be tough at this time, you know, to to deal to deal with that, you know. But it's, um, but we get through it, you know. And I think talking is really important. And you know, if you've got friends, if you're feeling down, a phone call to a friend, right, and just to like, you know, unload is is great. It's uh, there's a Scottish saying which is, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved, right. And somebody actually, somebody actually sent me a question and said, like, Sean Michael Flynn, does your writing help you shed the negativity of the pitfalls that have occurred in your life? Is it cathartic? Yes. It's brilliant. And it's got me through, I have been through terrible times, right? I've been through bad times and I've, I've thought dark thoughts, right? And... I managed to stay strong and, 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 and come through it. And writing helped, you know. And I'm emotional. Like I said, I'm amazed I've got through this so far, you know, especially with the, the, the Tara song. Because, you know, I like a cry. You know, it's... Uh, I like the release. And um, and it's healthy. And, you know, as a, as a man, you should never be afraid to cry. And, you know, having these... I, I know... In, in the past, with very emotional um, moments have happened in my past, like very stressful emotional moments. You know, I need that release. But I've been lucky that I'm a writer and I can put it in words. And I think a lot of people have kind of associated, you know, with, with those words and I've, I've taken some solace for them. And I'm, that I'm proud of. 
you know, not being number one album, you know. I, I, I got an email or, or Simona saw something um, last week, and I'm not going to repeat it, but it, was, uh, but it was from somebody who was only, and that meant more to me than somebody going, you're number one, right? It doesn't matter. It's to touch people and just to help somebody's life. It means more than number ones. It means more than shitloads of money in the bank or whatever, just to touch people and help somebody through it. And uh, that's kind of cool, you know. Um, we're moving up to quarter two. And uh, next year, this go, you'll probably disagree with me on, on some of the stuff that I'm going to be getting involved with next year. And to be honest, it's like, okay, it's fair enough. It's all going to be about opinions. And uh, I'm going to play a, a, a couple of things now. They're both related to the same subject matter. And, uh, and they're both going to come into prominence next year. My, I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. You know that. Um, the next song, the, the first song I want to play, Can You Line Up, Love? Yeah. I don't know. It's... Yeah. No, no, no. Line the, the, the thing up. Uh, boing. Which one is it? Uh, Bula Bass. It should be at the top. I shall go. Let's go and, let's go and have a walk across here. Uh. What does it look like? East looks like a Bula Bass. I got it there. Bellevue. As my assistant, I need you to do this for me. Where the fuck is he going? Oh, fuck, she was not there. No, 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 not this. Where's the single for this? <laughs> it's, it's like it's like having a dog. The mode is just too small for you. That's all. Right. So, so put this on. Is it on? That's it. Yeah. Right, so when this finishes, is this one of you, love? You put this on. 
Yeah. Don't fuck this up. Yeah, it's a single. I'm gonna leave you with a couple of tracks. Right. The first one, I was asked to record this for um, as part of a, a, a tribute album to Frankie Miller, and song was written by Diggy McLean, and obviously knew it. Frankie did a definitive version of this. And when I was asked to sing it, it was uh, it was with great trepidation that I went into that studio. And uh, I was working with the Harvey band. Frankie was there as well, which just to double the pressure. <laughs> and Frankie I'd met, you know, I'd met before quite a few times. And, um, and Brian Robertson um, was on guitar, who's a wild bastard, right? <laughs> God. You know, I see the bill. We things are coming to your head. <laughs> things are coming to your head. We did this. We did this. Uh... <laughs> With no disrespect to Frankie, who I love and hold incredibly dear, right? <laughs> Frankie had. Uh, uh, Frankie had a, a stroke a long time ago, and he's he's getting himself back together again. But he had a serious stroke, and he couldn't no, he, he he can't sing anymore, right? And we were all there, and it was and I was honoured to be there because I'm I was a kid, man. I'm like with Brian Robertson, Thin Lizzy, right? Wild horses. I'm there with the Sabs. <laughs> it's like, and we're doing the session. And it was all old school Glasgow kind of. Uh, rock people, right? And uh, um, we were talking about, and Frankie could, can talk and communicate and understand exactly what you're on about, but he's got problems with uh, enunciation and things like that, you know? And uh, and it was great. He was, he, was, he, was, he was in good fell, as they say in Scotland, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> I remember the, the, the guys were, Frankie was there and they're going, but we're going down the shops, Frankie. You know, what do you want? Right? And he's going, Hoix, Hoix. Right? And I go, what? what's that? Gin? No! Ah! Hoix! Right? <laughs> vodka, Frankie. What do you want? Vodka? Cider? No! Hoix! Right? <laughs> and after about 10 minutes of this, these are the, write it down, Frankie. What do you want? Twix bar. <laughs> They're going through every type of alcohol you could possibly imagine. And Frankie goes, I just want a fucking Twix. <laughs> and we did the session, right? And he was brilliant. Frankie was absolutely stunning. <laughs> and we ended up down in this hotel, down by this, the down by the, the front where my Aunt Mary used to have the, the dairy, right? Which is basically... Uh, on the, the, the site where the... Um, oh, what's it called? The big... Bloody concert hall, the Darth Vader place. Is that like, down by the 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 the, the, the NEC, right? Or the, the the SEC, should say. And the SEC was actually built in the area where my 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 aunt, my dad's aunt Mary had the dairy, right? And uh, that's where a lot of my family came from. That area, right? And um, some down there in this hotel in the front. 
And there's a David Cassidy concert at the same time. And the place is full of like, you know, old David Cassidy fans, right? And I'm sitting there with the Sabs going like, this is just too weird. Like, it's just too weird. And I'm sitting there with all these guys with Brian Robinson, having a wee swally in the bar, right? You know, 15 pound a pint. And, but we did this song, right? And I was so um, proud to do it. You know, I was I was really proud to do it, and I, like I said, I've never been so nervous, you know, before singing, especially singing this song in front of Frankie Miller, right? With him being in the control room, listening to it, you know, it was like it was, it was for a wee boy, it was crazy, right? And this is one of the songs that this is the first of the songs of two songs that I'm going to end with tonight, and this is where I am at. Songs that make me think about 
was, um, I don't, I'm switching this over. So I want to end with this one. It's, uh, a lot of people will disagree with me. And as I said, it's my opinion. I live here. Uh, um, on. No, I've got the I've got the remote here. Yeah. I've got the right here. So it is. It's, it's the remote here. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's what we watched last night. Still game. <laughs> I don't. Have I got this right? Three and. What number is that? Four. Four. I want number two. What's that? Three. And um, back in 2014, right, it was, uh, well, 2015, someone and I made the decision um, to, to live here, right, in 15. And someone moved across in 2016. In 2014, I didn't say anything because I wasn't sure where I was going to be living and I didn't want to be a hypocrite and shout for something and then move to another country. Um, this year is going to be a wee bit different. I'm not going to ram it in the throat, um, but I will make my stance very, very well known. I was incredibly disappointed the day um, when we left the, left the EU. You know, like I said, you know, my, my wife's German and stuff. And this is going to be a, a, a big year. Um, I don't want to drive things home. I don't want to bore you and all the rest of it. And I won't be, you know, going on about this a lot because I know there's a lot of people disagree with me and that is, you're very right, you know. But I want to end with this tonight because this year's going to be a big year. It's going to be a very big year. And, um, and I'm not happy about a lot of things and I will make my voice known about kind of how it is and there's some people on this on here that will vehemently disagree in the same way as anything I say about you know Donald Trump they will vehemently disagree and that is like the, what happens on Facebook you come on a public forum you get slagged and I will take the slagging but it won't change my opinion this was written a long time ago. When I moved back up here in... Well, not when I moved back up here, but when I came back up here in 1988 when we were supposed to be writing the, the, that Marillion album that never happened. You know, I kind of fell back in love with the place that I came from. And, uh, and I wanted to be here. And I moved back up here. And I've been here for a very long time. And I intend to stay here for a very long time. And uh, I'll leave it at that. I still feel like this. This was written, it was one of the songs that the lyric was actually written way back in, in, in kind of 88 time. And it was never used. It was recorded for the Vigil album, but wasn't kept on it. But it was. It became the title track on my second album. And I'm going to leave you with this tonight. And uh, take it as it is. I'm not a racist. I'm not uh, anti-anything. I'm just very pro some things and one of the things I'm very pro is Scottish and that is where it's at. Okay, Two, three, four. <laughs>
gentlemen, that was Fisher the Fady. Thank you very much for watching. Have a fucking brilliant 2021. Let's hope all the dreams come true. Mm -hmm. Until then, take care, stay alive, and just be safe, okay? Good night, guys. Good night.